to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're here to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabres Network. I am one of your co-hosts, Devor. Brandon, unfortunately, is unable to join us tonight. He's feeling a little under the weather, so we wish him the best of luck. He is off resting, presumably, hopefully. But fortunately, it is not just me that you will have to listen to. I am here with the other part of Clashing Sabres, the other third, or I guess now the other half with Brandon gone. He is so unforgettable, General Vise would carry on a 200-year-old beef with him. It's... <laughs> oh, that must be me. Yeah, It's Drew. See, if I was going to do it, I would have been like, he's the reason I can never walk Cornelia Street again. Oh. But that's okay. Beautiful. Set you up like that. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing, my friend? Doing good, doing good. Yeah. How about you? Doing all right. We're, we're making our way to the Thanksgiving holiday. Yes. So a couple of days off is going to be nice. I think everyone's Very much so. looking forward to that. Yeah. So that's good to know. Um, I'm trying to, there's really, you know, we're kind of catching up now that we've done eight and a half years of Ahsoka. <laughs> we finally get to uh, change gears. And, and I know Brandon was really mad that he doesn't feel good because even he was kind of like, let's do something different this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, so for this episode, as you know, regular listeners of the show know, you know, a fairly regular staple of our episodes is to kind of check in and talk about what we've been Star Warsing, the different kind of Star Wars media we've been consuming. The last couple weeks, months, we haven't really been doing that between the Rebels recaps and the Ahsoka recaps. And so we thought kind of coming off of that, it would be good just to do a kind of a whole episode on where we just kind of talk about the different Star Wars stuff that we've been <laughs> reading, listening to, watching, and so on. So it's going to be just kind of a, a free-floating conversation. A little that, freewheeling, I yes, imagine, yeah. That, that may or may not just turn into an Eye of Darkness conversation. Stay we'll tuned. We'll try and hold that for the end, so that way, in case there's any spoiler yes, warnings, yes. which there certainly will be, I imagine. Yes. Um. We'll, we'll try. Oh, I will try and delay my excitement about that as much as I can, but no, Same. I guess no guarantees. Okay. We'll have to look in the show notes because I'm sure once we get this all edited together, we'll be able to say spoilers from X to Y time. So please be on the lookout for that because you don't want to have things ruined in this particular book. No, you do not. <laughs> so what have you been up to, Devor? Like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you say Star Wars over the past two months now? Oh, let's see. What I mean... I've been doing a lot of audiobooking, a lot of listening okay. to stuff, uh, thanks to the old Libby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's an app, by the way. That's not a person. Yes, yes. That, that is an app that you can get via your local public library. So support your public institutions, kids. There you get go. your library card. And yeah, it's been... It's been a lot of, I mean, so with, with the Libby so much, it's not been as much keeping up with current releases as it's been kind of going back into the canon and, and a little bit of Legends, too, and just oh, kind of filling okay. in some, uh, you know, some some big missing gaps among the bigger ones that I finally got to. I don't remember. Maybe it was like 
towards the end of summer, beginning of fall, is that I finally listened to Victory's Price, which I didn't get to when it came oh out. Gosh. I just never got the, to um, it. The Alphabet Squadron yes. finale? Oh, Devor, you've been holding out on me, you bad man. I'm sorry. You, you get to you get to enjoy Will Lark and his I've seen some stuff phase. Yes. <laughs> what did you think? What did you think? I really loved it. I, the first oh, two good. books I read, like the, the physical books, and then this is the one that I listened to, and I think I had a much more enjoyable experience on the listening. Because uh, I found okay. when I was I found when I was reading it, I particularly just like when when you got to a space battle, my eyes just glazed over the pages and I just <laughs> lost what was happening. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I know Brandon has complained about that same kind of issue in things in uh, books gone by too. Yeah. Versus when I was listening, in particular, like the part where you get to Jakku is some of the best Star Wars audiobooking like I've ever oh, done. It's so good. It's so good. It was such what a great a story. listen. Yeah, I really loved it. And it's made me want to, at some point, go back and listen to the first two. Yeah. I think Shadowfall was still my favorite one out of the three of those books, the middle the yeah. middle uh, entry. Like, I really feel like that was the first time, like, it hit me in the face. Like, this book is about, like, it has a theme. It has, like, a message about identity and, and how people really try and I, uh, kind of figure out who they are in the scope of things like it really kind of hit home in that book more than the first one the first one was fine um but man shadowfall and victory's price but i remember both of those being being top tier when they came out they're in my top 10 of books of the new uh of the new uh, new canon i guess is what we refer to the disney era of things yeah they're definitely on that list boy that's so good you you said that you had done something in the legends universe yeah what have you what did you subject yourself to this time? I subjected myself, v- regrettably, to Dawn of the Jedi into the Void. <gasps> Wait a minute. That, I remember enjoying that one. I 20, hated 20, 25 years ago. <laughs> what? Oh, it can't be that bad. It was really not good. Or at least I this really didn't that- enjoy it. It's the one that takes place like 20,000 years yes. before the films, right? Okay, yes. so ancient history at this point. Yeah, it is, I think, as far as I know, the earliest Star Wars story. This is They still have, like, their their sabers are actually metal blades on this one, aren't they? Yes, I think so. They haven't discovered the crystals yet to figure yeah. out how to make a lightsaber. Boy, what what made you go to that one? I, I I think just the I think it was that very premise of like it's you know it's the oldest Star Wars story it's like it's all the way back towards the beginning and so I think I was kind of drawn to that like oh really really early like proto Jedi like <laughs> let's see what's going on there and it was just like not interesting I didn't care about oh, the characters no. I didn't care about the story oh no I remember it being pretty good well is it John Jackson Miller no it is um, Tim Leban. Leban? I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Oh, no. Uh, okay. That was probably like one of the very few entries that poor Tim gave us then. <laughs> I feel like that one was like a series of... Was that a, a like a full book when, when it was released, or was that one that was released in pieces? I think it was time? a whole book. There may have been comics yeah. okay. around there it. Was a series, there was a series called The Lost Tribe of the Sith, which I think is John Jackson Miller. Yeah. Where I think I was getting him confused. It was like nine parts, but they were, they were very like short novellas, almost sh- not short stories or a little longer than that. 
but then they were released in kind of like a collection, but they were published one at a time, and that might be what I'm thinking of. But it's the same kind of like, where did the very first Sith come from? So, mm-hmm. Oh, man, oh, man. What's what's next on the list, though? What do you, what do you have to go through now? For <laughs> what? For Legends? For audiobooks. Oh, for audiobooks. Yeah, like, uh, well, yeah, and, and it's interesting that people go back to Legends still. It's, it's kind of, it, it's an interesting thing that people are still kind of, there. there's a little bit of interest in that timeline still yeah yeah and i mean for me in particular it's been the whole essential legends collection initiative has kind of got me going there because like there is just so much and now that they're doing this it's like okay now you can kind of narrow it down like you have this little collection thing like like, here are some of like the most important ones and so that makes it a little easier to put your arms around it yeah even but even some of those like i was kind of surprised at some of the decisions that they made in, in picking some of those I, i'm not really sure i would have picked the courtship of princess leia as an essential legends collection but at the same breath i don't remember that book at all so it's definitely one i still don't want to actually pick up a copy of it's not one i have on the shelf yet right so i might need to see if i can get that essential le- i'm googling right now to see if it's actually been released yet <laughs> i can't remember the courtship one, yes. I think that was the most recent wave. Okay. I think back in October. Yeah, yeah it looks like it's uh, available now from purchase at your local bookshop. So we'll have to put that one on the list and take that one home and not read it for 25 years. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, and uh, and um, Spotify has a bunch of audiobooks now, too. Yes. Available for pro members. So if you're one of the poor unfortunate souls like myself who has to pay for it in order to get it to do the way things you want it to do you can actually find a bunch of star wars audiobooks and there's new ones and old ones which is pretty interesting so you kind of got a mix i don't know that it's a complete lineup of everything that's ever been published in audio format but it's definitely got some of the highlights um some of the lowlights like no one needs to go back and read the crystal star <laughs> or the truce at bakura like ever again but there are some fun ones in there. The Jedi Academy trilogy was okay. And some of the characters in there are at least pretty interesting. So if you out there are interested in audiobooks and want to give it a shot, um, those are good ones to go back to. I can't do the new ones in, in book. I don't know if Mark Thompson is just kind of, I'm kind of over it. <laughs> um, but like the sound effects, the music all that kind of stuff starts to get in the way and kind of grates on my nerves a little bit now. I think maybe because it's the same, like you can kind of like see the matrix through it now. And right. This is the same sound files you guys have been using for 15 years. You know, no one's invented a new blaster sound. Yeah. Um, no one's invented new engine screams. So can we not just work on something new? But that's why I haven't been able to do the audiobooks lately, but yeah, I guess nice you be able to get our, yeah, it's it's nice to get a hands on a physical copy of a thing and actually read it. I, I've been enjoying that, but also I don't have to drive as much nearly as I used to. Um, ever since the pandemic kicked in and everybody got sent home, my my commute for work is an hour each direction. But I haven't been there but three times in three years, so there's no need for that anymore. Right. You just listen to them around the house or when you're yeah out around in town? the house doing chores when I'm driving to work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's Legends. What have, um, I got through, speaking of Legends, we'll stick in the old, the old times, as it were. Um, I finished finally replaying the Force Unleashed okay. game. Um, I've been working on this premise that the Force Unleashed, which is about 15, 20 years old now, 
is probably more responsible for the way people misunderstood the force in general than anything else. <laughs> like Star Wars games have to gamify things right by mm-hmm. their nature to make them entertaining and engaging. Yeah. But when you look at how, when we, when we look at how the force is used in like the movies, you, you consider like a new hope. The times you actually see somebody use the force, it's, like Obi-Wan mind tricking stormtroopers a couple times. It's Vader choking Mahdi at the Death Star conference table. And, you know, Obi-Wan speaks to Luke from beyond the grave and then he shoots his shot and blows up the Death Star. And that's it. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of on screen activity. Even in like Empire, you know, Luke can grab a lightsaber. Um, he does running, jumping, climbing trees, but we don't really know how much of that is physical training versus force application. He sees visions. And then like even the new movies we have, it's a lot of saber fighting and throwing. But when we compare that to what the video games want us to do, it is an absurdly different element. So I've been kind of wondering, like, especially when we were talking about the new movies, like there's the question of like, how is it possible that Ray could ever defeat, um, Kylo Ren on Starkiller base. I have to pull all these proper names out of my head. <laughs> um, and I was just kind of like, well, that's, it's more in line with what we've seen in the films. Where are we getting this idea that the force is this wild and crazy thing? It's like, Oh, maybe it's due to this video game series called the force unleashed. So I went back and replayed it. And it really does kind of strike me about how different they really used it there. It's much more violent. There are no penalties for, dark side there's no positives for using light side powers like there's no reason you do anything other than slice people up with your lightsaber pick them up and throw them off a cliff and we're supposed to think that this the main character rejects the dark side at some point and i'm I'm just i don't buy it because it's just such a brutal and violent application there's nothing wrong with that in the game like that's how you're supposed to play the game right right. really stood out as like is this why we don't understand the force in general anymore like and maybe not that we don't understand it but we've come to appreciate it in a different way we see it as more um like fantasy fulfillment right rather than something that these characters have a spiritual association with you know yoda always said that it was for knowledge and defense never for attack and but what do we want to see what do we get the most thrill out of it's launching stormtroopers into the air shooting them with lightning and then throwing them at their comrades which they explode and you get a bonus because it's called a lightning grenade pretty cool to do in a game not the best (laughs) storytelling initiative i don't think yeah i mean yeah i think you may be onto something there about just the, the way that our perception has been shaped by yeah it the, it's gamifying yeah like we, we we expect to see it like tree skill trees and you get points as you go along and, and again all that stuff is fine in in the the video game world like the knights of the old republic game is really good or again was really good the first time i played it and there have been several other excellent star wars games including the new like the the Fallen Jedi, Fallen Order yeah. games are really good. But again, um, when you have it down this skill tree, 
and point assignments and you're using it for combat exclusive, like almost exclusively. I feel like that tends to distort the way we view it when you compare it to how characters inside of the universe normally view it. And I say normally because there are definitely some characters out there who view it in, in skewed ways and the dark side is much more violence and aggression and whatnot. But you know, if you think about like the High Republic characters and the way in which they view the Force, you know, Avar hears it as music. Elzar man ex- um, experiences it like the ocean. Um, uh, what's his name? The Wookiee. Buriaga. Buriaga. Man, experiences it kind of like life growing. You know, it all speaks to their personal individual journeys, but almost none of them see it as a tool or a crutch. Um, they see it as more an extension of themselves, but not in a way to abuse. So it was kind of an interesting way of kind of painting those two things against each other. Yeah. I have the books for those stories. I have not read them for, you know, Force Unleashed and its sequel, cleverly titled The Force Unleashed 2. (laughs) Um, I've got to read those one day. They're sitting on the shelf, though. So uh, so other things that you've been playing well listening to watching um well we did uh the higher public has a couple titles come out we haven't really spent a lot of time on um i think you and i are probably the only two people on the planet who actually read the edge of balance uh, volume three so good um evidently nobody else is reading those (laughs) that's some of my favorite high republic right there those manga and they have an announcement for phase three but i'm assuming they will at some point and i really hope they do i would hope so like it would only make sense especially when we realize that some of the characters from precedent are going to play a pretty important role we'll talk about that later on um uh, tales of light and life yes was the collection of short stories that came out late um pretty recently um, and you finished that one too, right? I did. Gotten through that? Yep. What's your general impression? We'll, maybe we'll talk about favorites, highs and lows out of that one. Yeah, definitely. So I enjoyed it overall. I thought like in terms of just like, I don't know, quibbles, let's say. I'm not going to say issues because I didn't really have like, I don't, I don't, I didn't have like any major problems with it. Like one is I thought that I would have liked a greater, like a better balance between phase one and two stories. I think phase two only gets two stories, if memory serves. I think it's only the Axel yeah. Grail arc and the Marta Rose stories. And I do feel like the stories, like the general trajectory of the collection is the stories kind of get weaker as you go further on. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, it's also like, you know, the second story in the collection is a closed fist has no claws. And it's very, very hard to follow that up. If you have the <laughs> the misfortune of having to follow up Tessa Grattan's story. I that what an impressive short story that one was. That one. Um, <laughs> I don't know that there's anything there's been anything quite like that in much else of Star Wars the way it's written, like the style yeah. that they take. It's kind of her first person like. But in it's, it's first person narrative, but man, oh man, is Martyr the most interesting character that came out of that series? Yeah, I think I would peg her as the most interesting High Republic character. I really think so. I think she, there's Ooh. so much going on with her that I think she's really, really interesting. That's tough because that's slanderous against the queen herself. I know. I know. Um, I think if we get more of Marta Rowe, it would certainly add to it. 
because it was so interesting to trace her journey from like that wide eyed kind of innocent believer where of course what we believe is right. Why wouldn't it be Yeah, <laughs> into clearly the, again, if you guys haven't read tales of like, just skip forward like a 30 seconds to clearly become the mass murderess she wants yes. to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she hasn't, she has uh, lost a lot of respect for the idea of, of gifts freely given and life in general. And it's, it's much more take, 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 but what an interesting character she's become. That yeah. Was great. I loved it. Um, did you skip the Axel Greylark story? I did not. Um, really? No. Okay. I listened to it, and I enjoyed it. Okay. Oh, does it get better than how it kicks off? Yes. Okay. I, I skipped over that one, and I skipped over the... I, know, I skipped over Daniel Jose Older's story. The Lonely Traveler is Home, which I think is Crash. And the gang? It is, uh, it's not Crash, it is, uh, shoot, Ram. Okay. Wait, they're not the same person? No. No, they're not. But they're the same storyline, right? Yes, yeah, they're both in a race to Crash Point Tower. No, or maybe Crash is actually in Midnight Horizon. Yeah. Yeah, Crash is in Midnight Horizon, which was not the, not the strongest entry into phase one, but that's okay. Um, I think that after the fall was really good. The Claudia Gray story is yes. kind of like the immediate aftermath. Yeah. But my favorite one was um, the call of Coruscant, the very last story. Oh, the Lydia, Lydia Kang, Kang one. That is a good one. Oh my gosh. The story of the, the Jedi who <laughs> lived his whole life in the temple, thinks he's doing everything right, goes and experiences quote, the real world end quote, and then comes out differently. I was like this, this is me when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. It was unbelievable. I don't know. I didn't know that Lydia Kang was following me around taking notes, <laughs> but holy cow, what a story. Like Lydia Kang, man, her in, and between her and George Mann, like the next level authors that they like the second wave of authors yeah. they brought in have just been killing it. Yeah, they absolutely, absolutely crushing yeah. things. Big fan of that book. Um, I'll try and go back and read the other two or three that I skipped over, but uh, you know, I, I got what I wanted out of that book and I was good to go. Um, I have two other things, two other titles, but I don't want to jump to, I don't want to talk too far too fast over you. So what else have you been up to? Have you watched anything lately? When was the last time you watched a star Wars movie front let's, to back? Let's see. Last time I watched a star Wars movie, I think it would have been, it would have been rise of Skywalker. Yeah, it was for our Space Swifties episode. That's right. I just listened to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. You're a pretty hard defender of that film still. I am. You? I oh, am. No. Okay. Well, sure. <laughs> I... I mm, I'm glad there are people who enjoy it. I really am. There are parts of it that are fun. It's not a lot of them. <laughs> Yeah, you guys were doing the building a soundtrack, right? Yes. To the film out of Taylor Swift songs and yes. whatnot? Yes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Crazy. All right. What else am I got in my pile? So there was a new Star Wars Visions comic released. Yeah. The Peach Momoko um, one shot. I guess this is a one shot. It's got a, a issue number one on the cover, but it doesn't... I don't foresee there being much more beyond this one. Um, is this a thing you have any interest in? 
It is, yes. I have not read it yet. I'm planning actually to go to our local comic book store tomorrow to see if I can get a physical copy. Because it okay. just it feels like it's the the visions ones feel like it's worth like going and getting the actual printed copy. Yes, uh, strong recommend on that. Um, make sure you put your wallet in your pocket <laughs> before you leave the house, <laughs> or else you end up like me going on release day and not making it all the way to the shop and go. I don't have my wallet. <laughs> it's a good thing I haven't been pulled over. Um, I haven't felt more dumb than that in a long time. It's interesting. It is different. Please remember it's Visions and not Star Wars proper. And I don't want to give anything away on it, but it definitely, I flipped the first couple of pages. It was like, and, and if you've read it, you know how different it is and why. And that kind of threw me off. I was not expecting that at all. So give it a shot. Let me know what you think when you get it, when you uh-huh. get through it. All right, will do. I mean, I could have been doing quite a bit of comics lately. Really? Just because like, I find it's something that I've not... It, it's a part of Star Wars media that I haven't done a lot in and I've always wanted to mm-hmm. dive in, but I've kind of been intimidated by because there's a lot of comics that come out very often. Yeah. But yeah, and I, I started with High Republic just because in a way it kind of felt more again like i could sort of wrap my arms around the high republic comics it's not like you know like afro where there's like issues like 40 whatever that they're on it's like my god like how many do you have like high republic feels a little bit more manageable so yeah i've I've done a fair i've done most of phase one comics and for phase wow okay there's a couple of the just like the one shots like the cabin scott one that i have to read but mm-hmm. other than that, I've done most of phase one for phase two. I've done, let's see, they've released, I've done the Marvel, the mainline one. Cause it was just, I think it was two volumes. And then for high Republic adventures, they've released the first volume. I think the second one is coming out in December. So I've done that. I did the blade. So that was yeah, really the, good. Yeah. Blade was really good. That's and really an, important. That's Fire required, yes. re- required reading. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that. Yes. Okay. So this was, so this was the first time you, how recently did you read the phase one mainline series then? Uh, This would have been over the summer, I think. So pretty recent. So that was like your first, like, oh, this is what the Drengear are all about. Okay. Yeah. I was kind of surprised at how they really kept that storyline almost exclusively to the comics, but for the one book where they're introduced and that's it. Um, any gut feeling on whether or not that's going to play a role in Phase 3? Oh, the Drengear? Yeah. Man, I don't know. I don't think so. I just have a hard time believing we would have spent that much time like, kind of working on it and hyping it up and trying to understand what they are and where they're coming from to have it be completely resolved by the end of that series. That is a good point. It's it's certainly not as compelling an, an issue or an element rather shouldn't say issue when we're talking about comics. It's not as compelling an element to the story as the Nihil are, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely it's like the B plot, and yeah. surely the B plot could certainly be brought back or, or do something. But I don't know. It doesn't really seem like it. I think it's it's mostly going to be the Nihil and kind of solving their particular problems. So we'll have to see about that. Um, when I was in the shop uh, earlier today, getting my copy of the Peach Momoko Visions, I found something that was odd 
in the Star Wars uh, section. It's is called The Return of the Jedi, the 40th Anniversary Covers by Chris Sprouse. Okay. And it's a, it's a booklet of just cover, image, cover art from The Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. It's it's, huh. it's it's a new release, but I don't know when these I don't know when these were these comics were they're kind of released over time. So for example, let me give you for example, the very first page is Vader's Arrival, which was the cover for Darth Vader from the 2020 series and it's issue number 30. But it's the shot of him coming out of the shuttle mm-hmm. aboard the Death Star 2 for his initial observation. The next one is a shot of R2 and 3PO as they head into Jabba's palace, and it's taken from the Bounty Hunters comic, issue number 30. So it's kind of a film scene by scene using covers from other comic runs and issues in order to retell the story (laughs) in purely a visual one-shot-at-a-time kind of thing. No dialogue. Uh, no descriptions, no text, no nothing. It's just the pure imagery of the film. Interesting. Which I asked the guy, I said, hey, did they do these for the other movies? And I just missed it. And he said, no, this is the first one they released. So they went with part six of a nine-part story. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I'm so confused, but I'll buy this one in hopes that maybe it inspires them to do like, I don't know the other ones. <laughs> I was, I was, I was blown away. I couldn't really understand what was going on. So, but if, if nothing else, it's some very interesting art and there's nothing wrong with having more star Wars art just no. kind of around. So uh, look at it when you get there, flip through it. And I don't know. I always kind of, I, I look at, I try and look at different star Wars art for like a new, the next tattoo inspiration kind of thing. Like yeah, I really yeah. want to get something like that, but I don't want to get something that's going to look gross or dumb. So right. the cover art is a good place, a good source of different variety of artists and styles and, and focuses. So this will be fun. So I recommend. Okay. I'll, I'll keep my eye out for it. Or maybe just flip through it and be like, this doesn't do anything for me. I'm going to put it back. That's okay too. That's the end of mine before I have darkness. Anything else on your list that you want to make sure we get, we talk through or you, you pitch out there. Let's see other highlights. Did you well, low lights or low lights? Yeah. Well, speaking of Return of the Jedi, did you do Fakpov? No, I haven't. With the exception of the the Wedge Antilles story. Yeah, naturally. It, yeah, <laughs> it was written by Emma Candon, who wrote the singular best book written with the Star Wars title on the front cover um, ever. End of end of sentence. Ever, um, I read Wedge's story. Um, that's it. I'm still kind of waiting to get like. I'd like to get all three of them together: mm-hmm. New Hope, Empire, and Return, like in like a collection of all three of them. Oh, okay, yeah. I read half of the first Fakpov, A New Hope. I read half of it when it was like a digital release, and I got up to was it the Dianaga story? Mm-hmm. And I was like, nope, I'm checking out. <laughs> <laughs> this this is not for me. Um, I never did the Empire Strikes Back one because Brandon flipped out on a couple different stories. I was like, if he's not enjoying this, I am not going to make it. What was your, what's your uh, opinion on on those as a series and then Return of the Jedi specifically? Yeah, so for of the three, A New Hope, I've read the I read the entirety of it and found it decidedly uneven. Like parts of it yep. were really good. 
I wanted to pitch myself off a building during the cantina because I was like, if we get one more glup shit out, like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> it's just so long. Uh, Empire, I've read, I need to read all of Empire. I, I kind of skipped around the Empire one and didn't totally finish it. Like, I read most of, I think, Hoth and then kind of hopped around, but I do need to actually go read it. Mm-hmm. And then the Jedi one, I did its entirety. I think the Jedi one is the strongest. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Like, even the parts are, because, like, the thing about all of these, and I would imagine, like, even if you kind of extrapolate out to the other, like, imagine, like, if they do FACPA for the prequels, for the sequels, and so on. Like, oh, all yeah. of them have at least, like, one section where inevitably there's a little bit of drag. You know, okay. whether it's the cantina in A New Hope, Hoth in Empire, and then, like, you would get those, you know, you would imagine you'd look at, okay, Jabba's Palace and Jedi is going to yes. be. And it's like, it's it, you can feel it there a little bit, but I still felt like it wasn't as pronounced as, like, let's say the cantina parts in A New Hope. I do think in general, like, the story, you know, the, of course, it's like the, you know, the, the whole conceit is like 40 years, 40 authors, 40 stories. Realistically, it should be like 25. That's like really <laughs> as many stories as you would need. Like, I, I understand what they're going for. But I mean, like, in terms of like the, the what, let's see, the story efficiency, at most, there should be 25 for these. Because there's really only so many angles you can take. And then eventually it's mm-hmm. like you, you start getting stories where you're like, like, what is this adding? But mm, yeah, okay. I think, uh, yeah, I think Jedi for me is the strongest. Like it has like, particularly once you hit Endor on, like it really just hits the, hits the gas and you get like, okay. you have a whole sequence of pilot stories that are really good. You know, you get, you know, there's some really touching Ewok stories. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> they're, okay. they're, they're real. There's a the Battle of Non, uh, the Ballad of Nanta, real tear jerker, oh, which no. is a, it's about the Ewok who infamously gets blown up by the ATS team. Like, okay, it's shaking the dead one next to him. Yes, like, yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's really strong. I mean, early one also. I mean, maybe my like personal favorite in terms of like just hitting the things that Devor loves in Star Wars is mm-hmm. in the beginning there is the EV99 story which I love because oh, nice because it's entirely an inner lives of droid story and like that's like why I'm here <laughs> it's like one of the reasons why I'm here in Star Wars like give me that stuff nice. but yeah I, re- I enjoyed it overall it, it, it has its parts where it drags and if you've listened okay. to the don't burn the sacred text episode you will hear yeah. Brandon and Lindsay talk about some of the parts where it drags. So it has its drags. It has its bloat. But in general, I think as a collection, I think it's the strongest of the three we've gotten so far. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, are you, if you're hoping for, I'm sure you're going to be hoping for a prequel edition of these kind of yeah. stories as well. You're hoping for, if it's 40 years, 40 stories, are you hoping for like 35 of them are battle droid and destroyer droid stories? I, I would love that. Yeah, you would. Oh my gosh! Well, yeah, they're on my list. I'd like to. I'd like to get back to them one day. Maybe once, maybe once the High Republic series is kind of wrapped up and done, then I'll be able to go back into the main line. I've been trying. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to get through the Aftermath trilogy again, <laughs> and Life Debt might just be my break. Like I am 
every time I pick it up, I take a picture of something in there and I circle things with red question marks on my phone so I can just be like, why did you do this? <laughs> what, what have you done, sir? This is not acceptable writing. But I'm almost done that. I've got to get, then I've got to get through Empire's End, which I have never finished. All right. Um, I started Empire's End when it came out and, and in, in, uh, in a moment of disgust, I was like, I'm checking out for good, but I'm going to persevere because I've been asked to. I, I still can't Where believe you agreed to it. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for attention. So, so as somebody who says they want to talk to me about the aftermath trilogy, I will go back and reread it. <laughs> but you're doing the same thing, aren't you? Yeah. Where are you in this process? I was, I, I finished listening to them a while back. Oh, you cheated. Okay. Yeah. That's nah, okay. I don't know that I could listen to these books. They're they're hard enough to just put through my eyes, never mind my ears. Oy. Well, then how about we move on to something different? Um, a couple weeks ago, we got, at Clashing Sabers, got early access to, as we do from time to time, we'll get early re- um, copies of stories for review. So we get a chance to re- read through them before they're released. Um, in order to preview and, and write up some reviews of the stories so that they can be publicized uh, at the same time the book is and drum up some support that way. Didn't get around to writing anything for this one like I've done for a couple other ones, but did, but uh, I, The Eye of Darkness is the first adult entry into Phase 3 of the High Republic. And at this point, if you're listening now, we're just going to spoil the crap out of it. Yes. So... Uh, um, it's been great. We miss you. We love you. Patreon.com. All the things. Batch eight. Hi ho. Here we go. <laughs> this freaking book. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. If this is how they're kicking off phase three, I am excited for the ride. Um, what did you think first off? Like, what are your initial impressions? What stands out to you um, immediately? Because I don't know that you read it in the early release that some of us did. You had to actually wait until uh, you got a copy in your hands, right? Yeah, I, I waited until I could li- be able to listen to it. But oh, I ended up going oh, through okay. it very fast. So, <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine doing anything else while this is playing in my ears. I'd be sitting there just stock still in the kitchen being with the water running in the sink and not having washed a dish for 20 minutes yeah i mean pretty much but (laughs) yeah i i I love this book like you said it is really good it was it was an interesting sensation to kind of come back to the you know the main story after the departure phase two because back in phase one it's like phase one i enjoyed of course like i enjoyed the books and the characters but i think because and I think you and Brandon have talked about this on the show before. Like one of the things about phase one is like, it has a lot of sprawl to it in terms of the mm-hmm. characters and the stories. Like, and so as a consequence, it's like you, you find your characters that you latch onto, but then a lot of everything else kind of ends up fading into the background. And so like, I was surprised coming back into phase three, like just how much I was invested again in these characters and coming back. Interesting. And I mean, it, it is admittedly probably a perverse silver lining of the mass kill off that happens at the end of phase one. Is that like <laughs> that deals with some of the sprawl is there are just fewer characters. So I think that how very helped. eugenics, how very eugenics forward of you. 
Yeah, so... <laughs> hey, you're not wrong, though. You're not wrong, because, like, there really is, like... It, the, it, it picks up basically a year after yeah. the fall of Starlight Beacon, right? We don't get a lot of the um, the immediate aftermath. That's kind of what, what Tales of Light and Life was for. Light and Life sets up nicely a couple of the survivors. Um, and Shadows of Starlight. About. Shadow, yeah, I forgot about Shadows of Starlight. Um, but it also briefly mentions the occlusion zone. Yeah. Which... I'm kind of on the fence about. I'm not entirely sure. I l- the idea is interesting, but to have a basically an invisible fence, yeah, by which people cannot get in, and only those who they want to get out can get out. It makes sense, like on a planet, like if you had a shield or a dome of some kind that protect, you know, um, shield generators on Hoth. Yeah, um, Fantu uh, or, or Famba generators in Phantom Menace. That kind of makes sense, but a completely spherical, three-dimensional inter <laughs> intersolar system shield that expands and contracts sounds wild. Yeah. Like, I was really trying to wrestle with how that works, and it made much better sense as, like, a singular, like, a wall, like a barrier, but then you could just kind of go above or below it because, again, you're operating in three-dimensional space. You're not con- you're not restricted to just what's in front of you. So I had a little bit of trouble with that. Um, but, yeah, you're right. The less, the, the not lack of character, because there definitely is kind of a, a your all-star roster is definitely yeah. in action here. But you don't have a lot of the supporting cast anymore, um, which is, again, the reason they're not around is kind of sad. But at the same time, it does kind of help keep track of stories. Uh, so who do you, out of the ones that we get back and kind of are the main characters in in Eye of Darkness, who do you think you were most excited to see come back and actually get some attention. So, I mean, I was, of course, very much looking forward to my boy Belzettafar, seeing him again. Mm-hmm. I think the story that I ended up, like the, the arc that I ended up maybe finding most personally compelling, and you're going to like this answer, is probably Avar's. Oh, it's oh really good. It's, it's astonishing. I was, I was blown away. But yeah, we kind of knew that was going to come anyway. Can, can I just, like, How? related to Avar, sorry, can I just pick, like, the dumbest little nit? Oh, absolutely. So, pick your nit. So, you know, we're all spoilers, as they're talking about, but one of the kind of supporting characters in this book, and that is connected to Avar's story, is there's an Ugnaught. <laughs> and the Ugnaught says, on multiple occasions, the phrase, I have spoken. Yes, he does. And this plugs into one of my... Like frustrating little things with Star Wars of late, which is to take one character's saying and kind of turn it just into a general colloquialism oh, that other people say. Like, I'm one with the Force, and the Force was with me was so much cooler when every third Jedi didn't say it. <laughs> but now every third Jedi says it. See, fair You're Kamadank. not wrong. You're you're not wrong. Yeah, and even now we know that um, wizard wizard is kind of a thing that started, uh, you know, two hundred three hundred years ago and had it kind of filtered down. Yeah, you're not wrong. I like, I like the I character. Like, well, I I like um, I am one with the force. The force is with me because it does feel 
like a learned mantra that um, Chirrut picked up in his service of you know of be, being part of the Guardian of the Wills, which makes sense that other characters who have the same kind of training and upbringing would go on to employ the same kind of thing. But you're right; it is kind of now everybody does it. It's the cool thing to do. Yeah, yeah. The, a lot of the higher public Jedi tend to do that. Do any other like original trilogy era characters go into that? I can't think of anybody. I don't think any so. Old, any old, no, like fall of the higher fall, fall of the new Republic. No fall of the Republic. It's not the old high Republic. It's not the high Republic or the new Republic. It's just the Republic. I can't think of any episode one characters who might've gotten a story that, that have that kind of line to them, but that's okay. Yeah, you're right. That, that, that's kind of grown a bit stale. Um, so you, you didn't like Ugnaughts. Okay, so racist against Ugnaughts. Got it. <laughs> I liked the Ugnaught character. I was kind of surprised at how they gave him like that, his personality. Yeah. And, may, and maybe it is kind of like the problem is uh, the only other Ugnaught character that has dialogue and conversation we can understand is from the Mandalorian. Yeah. And so I guess part of the problem is I'm imputing that's that type of personality onto an expectation for a character when, when it's not fair to do that. But he did kind of have that weird brusque, what I, what I find to be very prevalent in the Southern States of the United States of America is that kind of, I'm going to be rude and mean to you. That means I like you. Yes. Um, I've lived down here in North Carolina for, you know, 17, 18, 19 years. I still haven't gotten used to that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm much more like, if you're going to be mean to me, I'm just going to be mean back to you, but I'm not going to like you about it. <laughs> so that's, that that was a weird personality trait to give to the Yugna, but it does kind of contrast nicely with Avar who kind of has a, the, uh, she's put in this position where she has really lost sense of who she is. Yeah. She has failed at all the things she has meant to be the best at, and she's trying to recover that. But that's, I love that journey of she doesn't want to give up, and she's just just one step more, one foot forward in front of the other. And it's, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I was surprised that Porter Angle um, oh, okay. is is back in action. Like He was a great character in Phase 1. Yeah. Um, I really liked I liked that they imbued him with a sense of history. Like He's known as this master swordsman but really the only thing you get to see him do is cook stones and soup yes i mean what an interesting like that's a very interesting dichotomy there and then we get the real story of like when in his prime in the context of phase two and then all of that comes up yeah and if you haven't read the blade you really need to because it it fits in so much of this story it was so amazing like that's the kind of bridge that I was hoping for between phase two and the other two phases. Yeah. But was, had no confidence that it was coming. Like there aren't that many characters that we would have expected to survive 150 years between their two stories. There's, there's some precedence for that in tiny little green puppets, but that's really the only one. So it was really neat that they, they brought him and made him a major focus of the story. And, is that the end of Porter Engel's story? I hope not. I mean, just because you die, well, even if you, even if you die off screen in Star Wars, you can still come back. You can die on screen in Star Wars Correct. and still come back. So I'm hoping we get to see a little bit more of Master Porter Porter Engel. Me too. 
So what what else in that book stands out to you? What 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 surprised you other than how much you 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 come to love um are the patron saint of all of us, like Chris? <laughs> I think it was also I mean one of the other compelling things that I found in this book was seeing the state of the Nile at this time. Mm. And seeing, you know, on the one hand, some of the the divisions that are starting to form where you've got kind of, you know, you've got Girastaros trying to carve a new path for the Nile and try to give them some kind of structure and some legitimacy. Yeah. And then you've also got, you know, who who has, even though he has a very minor role, has probably become my personal favorite Nile, which is one Baron Boolin. Oh. And... <laughs> And the children yeah. of the watch. So you get like that, that they're this kind of little offshoot paramilitary, like I don't know what you would even call them. We don't know much about them, but like you get them as like, a, they're maybe like another little clique that's starting to form. So like mm-hmm. you're seeing that. And then I think you're also just seeing sort of, you know, the Nile and Martian kind of being the proverbial dog that caught the car. Yeah, and now they don't really know what to do. do. (laughs) Like they're just spinning. Like there's one point, like Gira talks about, like they're all just like fighting each other. Like they don't know what to do, and Mm. like Martian is now like king of the mountain, but he's just angrier and frustrated than ever. Yeah, it reminds me. Like I was trying to think of like real world analogies and kind of like if if they're writing these stories, what are they looking to for inspiration for these different things? And you were talking about the um, I can't remember. You have to give me his name. The Baron, Boolin. what's his name? Boolin. Okay, this is the Ithorian, yes. who's kind of the mad scientist. Really struck me as kind of like World War One Germany. Yeah, and kind of like the fascination with making more destructive elements of war and kind of coming up with all of these new and interesting ways to make human suffering um, a cool thing again. So I was, but I was trying to figure out like the rest of it doesn't feel like it has a a good one-to-one, but then it came to me like the Nihilo basically at this point is, is kind of like Lion King after Scar kills Mufasa (laughs) because he sits on the throne Mm-hmm. He likes making other people's lives miserable. His underlings are all fighting each other, and he doesn't really know what else he wants to do with life because he doesn't want to take care of governing. He just doesn't want to sit around and be adored. Yeah. So it was kind of like, there's got to be more than just the Lion King we're looking at here, guys, though, right? So it'd be very interesting to see kind of what happens. Now. It looks like Marshawn's goal is just is the utter destruction of the Jedi Order. Sounds reasonable. Um and taking down every little bit of the Republic. Yeah. So I, I, we know it doesn't go well, right? Correct. But we don't know how well it doesn't go. Like, it, it feels like, especially in the Jedi Order, you can kind of see in the chapters that are more about Elzar dealing with <clears throat> his own interpersonal issues and his struggling with connections and attachments, you can really start to see a bridge being built into the Jedi Order we see during the prequel era, who are emotion-devoid, um, rules against attachments, no more kind of intermingling of emotional connections between one another. You are strictly, you're basically employees of the system. Yeah. And they're stripping out a lot of the, for lack of a better term, the humanity and the camaraderie that the, that the High Republic Jedi Order has encouraged and allowed to flourish because now it, it seems like that's what they're pinning their blame on for the failure at Starlight Beacon, uh, Starlight Beacon. 
So it's a sad way to back into the prequel era Jedi Order. But in the fairness, I think we all knew something had to happen to make them the way that they are. Right. And it'd be, it, this is kind of, I think, it actually, it's turning out to be a, a, a very interesting way to do that. So I don't know what March and Rose next step looks like other than just more. I don't know. Do you think he brings the war to the Republic or does the Republic bring the war to him again? Oh, that's interesting. Avar makes it out of the occlusion zone. Yes. Barely, by the skin of her teeth. Yeah. But it proves that there's a way in and out. Right. I mean, I I think I would probably lean towards the latter. I think, you know, I mean, of course, a big part of, you know, what happens towards the end of this book is the Republic tries to take the war to the Nile and it doesn't go well. (laughs) But, yeah, you know, there are there's now this kind of glimmer of hope that they can find a way through the storm walls. So perhaps, yeah, maybe they do kind of do a second rally and and are able to take the you know, the war to the Nile. And then maybe also potentially it's a combination of, yes, you know, the Republic figures out, you know, the key to unlocking the mist or the storm wall, but then maybe there is also some some amount of the Nile slowly but surely starting to eat themselves. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I wonder if maybe they'll just kind of spiral out of control. They're, they're kind of the occlusion zone and the storm wall has done a great job of keeping the Republic out, but it has not done a good job of keeping the Nihil together. Yeah. Um, they're, they've boxed themselves in and now they're not in, you know, Markion is not interested in the bureaucracy in the structural requirements that keep, a you know, he's not interested in, in governing. He just wants to rule. Yeah. And those two things are not the same. So it'll be very interesting to see kind of do they eat themselves alive and is that how they burn out or you know do they figure out a way is 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 roe replaced by somebody else at the end of it and then maybe uh i don't know maybe they're off in the little corner of the galaxy for the next couple hundred years and we won't see them until yeah, yeah. something comes up uh, i'd feel very odd if like the nihil survive the end of this story and they're brought in to do some kind of antagonizing in a later set story. I don't know how I would feel about that. Yeah. I, I feel like the the vibe I get is that this whole, just like this particular, you know, slice of high Republic story down this initiative is about the kind of rise and fall of the Nile. And that by mm-hmm. the time we get through, you know, old spring 2025 and Charles soul has gotten us to trials of the Jedi, <laughs> they will be, you know, they will be neutered as a, th- any kind of threat. Yeah, they'll they'll be neutralized in some way, shape, or form. But it is interesting, kind of like there is this gap of 120-ish some odd years now where they were a thing. Yeah. You know, from Marta Rowe taking the electric gaze up the, for the very first time and what we see her doing and kind of spreading, <laughs> evangelizing a completely different message now than she was before. Um, they've been out there for a while and they figured out some kind of sense of survivorship. And at some point, I don't know that it's ever been made clear where they pick up the Santecas and their whole path drive system. Yeah. I don't know that we have enough information on that yet to really fill that gap in. Because um, which book? It's one of the books. Is it the... the, the uh, not Fallen Star. What came out before that one? Rising Storm? The, that Rising Storm. That one dealt a little bit with... Um, 
the path and they kind of explained a little bit more he's got somebody locked away yeah in in like a cryogenic tube essentially right yes is that in that book or did i put that in i think i think the initial revelation happens in light of the jedi really yeah all right, we have to go back and reread that one. I think one of these days too. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know that we get the story. I was even trying to think of like, is it in the Eye of the Storm comic? And I don't think it is. I don't think so because that one was more about Martian himself. Yeah, yeah, and kind of going back to do, to uncover the nameless, I th- the leveler. I think isn't that where that comes from? The ice planet. Yeah, there's part of that story is in there. Part of that story is also in. The Rising Storm as well. Yeah, Rising Storm is where you get the story of the the original Great Leveler. And then I think Eye of the Storm is where you find out where he gets the other ones that are on Starlight. Oh, okay. Is that Does he have both of the rods at that point? The rod of seasons and the rod yes. of the other thing? Yeah. Okay. Because I think I think all of most a lot of that I think is is also in the comics, possibly in High Republic Adventures. I think is when they're going after yeah, the I rods. Haven't, really? Okay, maybe I might have to go back and do those because I haven't done the the adventure series. Do you think that's Phase One or Phase? Well, Phase Two. The Phase Two comics are more about the assault on Jeddah, almost exclusively. Yeah, the main line is. The main line is, I don't know what the adventures line is about. The adventures one, I have only read that first volume is uh, that it's sort of more like a, it's following, um, oh my God, her, 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 the Jedi's first name is Sav. It's the, the, the one with the big hat, like whatever that species is, that alien. <laughs> uh, the one with the big hat. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not... I don't remember. Yeah, I, th- that one doesn't deal much with the Jetta stuff. The Jetta stuff is mostly in the mainline comic. Yeah. Hmm. I need that Art of Phase... When is that coming out? Art of... like Because the, the Art of Phase 1 High Republic book was really helpful in nailing down who's who and who's doing what, where, when. Yeah. So maybe... Hopefully we'll get a High Republic Phase 2 Art of book so we can kind of have the same kind of like who are these characters and you were right, right, right. Uh, maybe one day we'll have to see what else from eye of eye of darkness what else do we need to make sure we cover on that one before we leave that one there let's so see. good seeing avar and elzar make it back together yes yes that was really too. nice I was really nervous she wasn't going to survive. I was I, like, yeah. You, I might just bounce off this series if you kill her right here and now. <laughs> yeah, like, especially when you get to the kind of final battle towards the end. Like, mm, it's, the it's, ships it's, are all falling apart. Yeah, she's and, in space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's the best. She's just the best character in the whole series. This was like the first Star Wars book, I think, in a long time where... I felt tension in the towards the end of not knowing how it was going to shake out. Yeah, like in most Star Wars books, you start to you start to see the outline in your head, and you're like, okay, we know the good guys are going to win, we know the bad guys are going to lose, we know that hope will prevail in the end. No, that's fine, that's great. We don't always know how it works out in the end, but we know that it's going to be good for the good guys. The High Republic is not nearly that safe. Correct. And in fact, I think we were being trained with things like the Rising Storm. And um, 
the falling star and um, path of deceit, path of vengeance, where things can look great for 95%. And then all of a sudden at the end, all those characters, you know, and love like turn to ash. Yeah. <laughs> like literally in front of your eyes. And you're like, wait a minute, what you're going to go ahead and kill this brand new Jedi on Dalna that I actually enjoyed. Yes. They're going to die and it's going to be bad. And yeah. then we're going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when they finally have a book starring Avar or Chris, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be really good. And then I got nervous. So, but that's not something I feel like we get very often anymore is that moment of tension of, of, of uncertainty to say, how are my heroes going to make, are they going to make it out or is this going to hurt more than I want it to hurt? But now this one was really, really good. What a way to kick off phase three, right? Yeah, no, this was, it, it, you know, phase three is, has a, a much longer release window than True. the other two, which I do think ultimately redounds to the benefit of just being able to both keep up with things and being, you know, being able to talk about stuff because like particularly with phase two, a lot of things like a book came out and it like it had its moment like three weeks later, another book came out. But yeah. also like I finished this one like, man, I need the next one. <laughs> like, what do you mean after waiting until January for escape from Valor? You know, like, well, come on. <sighs> It's and it's rough. still kind of like it, it's quite like I think in part because that longer timeline, you know, makes the phase longer, at least in terms of just releases and it, it wrapping up. Like it's kind of hard to believe that like we have Eye of Darkness. There's only two more adult novels. Oh my goodness! Really? Yeah, I think they're. I think it's just like the other phases. I think it's just oh. gonna be. Yeah, you get your trilogy. Yikes! I didn't. I don't know that I really put that together. So yeah, it's like what? Mm. Like where is this gonna? I mean, this like it's it's so interesting because it's like yeah, as, as we were talking a few minutes ago, it's like you have this sense of like okay, it's gonna end with Martian loses, the Nile are defeated, like that's that's a pretty safe bet. But then everything mm-hmm. else, you're like, wait, like where is this gonna end? Up? I mean, the whole you know to your point about how the higher public has been training us. In terms of like what to expect or like what we can't expect, like the whole feeling of the High Republic, I feel like, like my bet by the time we again we get through trials and everything is like it's going to probably f- have the feel of a Pyrrhic victory. It's going to be like they will have yeah. nominally won against the Nile and brought peace and justice back, but it's like what was lost along the way. Yeah, I feel like much that's less the of a vi- winning, but more just outliving. Yes, I feel like that's the vibe we're going to be left with by the time this is over. Mm. That's going to be so good. I can't wait. <laughs> the The last thing I wanted to make sure we mention is, um, again, if you, you have to make sure you read Edge of Balance Precedent so that you understand the importance of Aslan Rail <laughs> and how this is going to be a game-changing moment. Um yeah, I when, never expected. <laughs> yeah, because he he first shows up in Shadows of Starlight one is when he is introduced as still being alive, and I remember reading Shadows of Starlight one, and we get to Asma, I was like, what? <laughs> yes, that guy. <laughs> this horrifyingly like he cut his own eyes out. He's clearly insane, and Yoda's like, yeah, come on in. I've been emailing this guy for a hundred and fifty years. 
I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. Like I had to double check and make sure I had the right character in mind when they introduced him and brought him back and said, yeah, we went to the guy, the only Jedi who's encountered the, the, the leveler and survived was this madman who has turned to the dark side and used it to extend his life. I was like, Oh no, <laughs> I'm, I am on board. I am here for it. Let's do it. Yeah. I am. I am so excited to see where they're going to go with all these characters and these stories. I hope they don't let it go. Like there are element, like, like you were saying, if you've got now almost about two years from front to back of phase three, it'd be very easy to relegate at, like something small, like as Aslan Rell, at, ugh, Aslan Rell and his story and his involvement to like two issues of a comic book. Right. Mm-hmm. It, we may not see it in like, novelization format ever again but i sure hope we get to because that was really kind of a surprising moment and i want to keep that kind of momentum and mentality in things so that way there's at least a decent payoff and we kind of we don't lose sight of those things that really stand out and made things different yeah yeah it's, it's uh, i don't i don't even know like I have to look up like how long the like what the run is for the comics and things like that. Like, is it longer or is there a longer release window? But yeah, like next year, you know, like you know, we're of course going to still get High Republic, but it is not going to be at the same kind of clip that we've been used no. to. And so that will be like it, it will be kind of a different year from the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to see. And then there's always going to be the question of what comes next after that. Yeah. Because at, at some point, we're going to get the Acolyte will be released on streaming. Yeah. Uh, probably not for another year to two to th- maybe even three um, at the rate that they're going now that, that they f- can finally get their creative teams back to work, which is good. So it m- might be something we maybe it'll be like the cap, like phase three ends, like you said, summer 2025 acolyte comes out and maybe bridges that gap a little bit stronger between the end of phase three and the beginning of, you know, the prequel era of movies. Maybe they do have it planned out a little better than we think. Yeah, maybe that's not really something I'm going to put a ton of money on, but <laughs> we'll see. Any other last, uh, thoughts, ideas, um, things that were you skipped out that you want to go back to that you missed in the past couple of months while we've been reliving the rebels in Dasoka era of things. Oh, I am thinking, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like we have, we haven't gotten any other kind of like movie era entries lately. No, like it's kind of been like brotherhood and the Padawan was it a Padawan book. I'm not really sure what it was called now, but that's, it's been a while since those have come out too. So yeah, it seems to be high Republic and Disney plus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which has not been bad. We've been done pretty well, but yeah. I think we got pretty good caught up. Is that, uh, that should cover everything, right? We got everything good. I think so. Excellent. Well, what, uh, where, where do people who want to understand more about your connecting the, the galaxy far, far away to the Eras tour, where, where would one go to find something <laughs> like that, do you think? Yeah, so you can follow me over on X at a larger view pod. <laughs> do you feel bad when you have to say over on X? 
<laughs> no, because I only ever do it ironically. So. Oh, okay, cool. One, you're just going to fall into a habit and it's just going to be like, oh no, it's yeah. become real again. <laughs> yeah, no, that my fate is things start as bits and then the blur and then the lines start to blur. <laughs> <laughs> is that how the battle droid obsession began a little bit Truly? yeah <laughs> and at some point you just cross the rubicon and you never look back yep i understand but yes that's where you can follow me you can also listen to me over on space swifties star wars and taylor swift podcast which i host with my wife the one and only mcdowell the one and only yep that's fantastic um, I, you can find me over on our Facebook group, Star Wars Clashing Sabers. We've got um, the episodes as they come up and get posted there. Um, all kinds of things that people share with the group. Questions, concerns, um, people who like and do not like what we have to say, which is fine. Um, there was a guy a couple days ago put up that um, he himself did not enjoy the Darth Plagueis novel, which is not something I had heard a lot of. Most people, I would think have been fans of that book. So it was really interesting to see kind of people um, ask questions why and kind of explain it. And there were other people who felt the same way and never really came out and said that before. So it was a really cool place to get together and kind of share your thoughts on what's going on um, with our friends over in that galaxy far, far away or not so far away if they keep changing galaxies on us, which will be correct. Fun to see go forward. Uh, what else do we need to know? You need to know that there's a Patreon, patreon.com slash clashing sabers. And when you sign up for really any dollar amount a month, all the money we collect through that goes straight into the coffers for our nonprofit, which um, purchases and distributes Star Wars books to teachers across the country. So if you know a teacher who needs books in their class, if you are a teacher who needs books in their class, if you've heard of teachers who'd have books in classes and would like to send some to someone, go to our website, um, clashingsavers.org. And there's a nominated teacher button. You put in their contact information. We reach out to them and figure out the best way to get a box of stuff in their hands. And we're talking like a box of like three to $400 worth of stuff. Um, that's just for them. They can keep it in their classroom. The kids read it. There's, there's like toys and bookmarks and stickers. They make it an event so that when you open the box in front of all these kids, everybody gets to participate in it. So sign up for that. We'll be doing our fundraiser um, after the new year where we usually have um, creators and authors and voice actors and all kinds of people who have participated in real Star Wars things, not just those of us who comment on it. <laughs> we'll, we'll donate things. They'll sign copies of stuff. We usually will raffle them off and raise money that way. If the trend continues the way it has worked so far in the past couple of years, we should hit our lifetime of over $10,000 raised. Ooh. Which is crazy to think about that because every year we've we've done progressively more and better each and every year, um, and so we should hit a lifetime of ten grand this year. If we can hit two thousand dollars for this fundraiser, we'll cross it and smash that goal. So we're going to be counting on you guys to be spreading the word, letting people know about the cool things that they can get raffle entries for, and and do some good. Um, I have kids in school, in elementary and middle school, and they could use some some cool books to read. Brandon teaches kids, which is probably a superpower at this point. I don't know how people do it. Um, so just to show some appreciation for them, as well as get the books that meant something to us and to the kids who need something to get their hands on. 
that's what we're doing. I think that covers it. Um, yes. Anything else, Devor? Last minute note before we we send the people off. I don't think I have anything. What about you? Well, the only thing I can think of is that um, there was one group we're hoping makes a, a comeback here in Phase Three, and it's going to be those guys over in Batch Eight. Hi ho! There it is. It's weird to be on this side of that. Yes. <laughs> Don't like it. All Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of the Clashing Sabers network and ClashingSabers.net. All licensed sounds and images are the property of their respective copyright holders and are used for informational and educational purposes only. For more information on our nonprofit or to nominate a teacher, go to ClashingSabers.net. For questions or inquiries, please email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. You're just going to walk away?